1: Folks, we've been doing this series called Passing Through. Now, what is that talking about? Well, that's talking about if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, to use Peter's words, you are a sojourner, a pilgrim. You're only in this life for a brief time, for whatever years that you are alive. That's only a brief time when you consider eternity. You're just passing through. You're passing through this world. And. You've got something better that's ahead of you, so the question is, Is while I'm here, how do I live my life? That's what Peter is addressing in this first letter. And so we've been looking at that over the last few weeks. We've looked at our identity in Christ, how we need to live out of our identity. We've looked at how we are to live in a world that's filled with difficulty and so forth. We've gotten to the end part of chapter one, and he's talked about how you and I need to live in holiness. He says, be holy as I am holy. And that, really, to be honest with you, is a command. You and I are commanded to be holy. Now, as soon as I say that, I mentioned this last week, we start thinking about crazy things in our mind. Maybe we remember church years ago when we were told in order to be a good Christian you can't do this and you can't do that and so there's this big list of rules of where you can go where you can't go what you can do on this day what you can't do on that day I'm not talking about that that's legalism folks that's not holiness can I tell you what that is that's legalism all right legalism Holiness is something completely different. Holiness is what you become because God has made you that. And he has a method for which he does that. And the method with which he does it is called obedience. Obedience. Obeying him. Doing what he says. Now, notice what I said. Doing what he says. Not what some preacher told you. Do you understand? Not what some preacher told you, because sometimes preachers will tell you things that are not in the Bible. Have you ever noticed that? Preachers will tell you things that are not in the Bible, that you're supposed to do this and not do that. The reality is, is God calls you to holiness, what he tells you to do. But here's the problem. The problem is, is, to be honest with you, when it comes to the issue of obedience, we have a lack of understanding. We have a lack of understanding with regards to the whole issue of holiness and especially with regards to the whole issue of obedience. Now, two things I want to point out here. Number one is this. Obeying God is seen as an option. Obeying God is seen as an option. This is the problem. The problem is, is that when you have a faith system that you've adopted, where Jesus forgives you for everything, because his son died on the cross, and that is true, there is no sin that Jesus cannot forgive except unbelief. Do you understand me? There is no sin that Jesus cannot forgive except unbelief. Folks, that's what the unpardonable sin is. The unpardonable sin is unbelief. So there's no sin that he cannot believe. But if you embrace that, you can actually go in a wacky point of view with that. So basically the point of view that you could embrace, which I don't suggest you do this, is that you begin to embrace the point of view that is, well, I can do whatever I want to do because I am forgiven. So what happens, though, is when you embrace that kind of mentality, and it's a flippant mentality, you begin to see obedience that is doing what God told you to do, obeying him as an option. It's almost like I can decide whether or not I do what he wants me to do. And who's going to tell me to do otherwise? So we have this lack of understanding. We we, we see obeying God as an option. Now, The reason why we see it as an option is because of the second point I'm going to bring out to you here. We don't understand the importance of obeying God. We don't understand the importance of obeying God. We haven't grasped fully that there's a reason why he wants us to obey him in certain areas. And I'm going to be honest with you folks. That's probably the number one reason why we lack the understanding that we do about obedience is because we think that God's just given us a bunch of rules because that's how we function. We function in school where there's a bunch of rules and nobody explains to you what the rules are. So you kind of have an attitude about the rules because nobody's ever explained it to you. Well, the problem is that God just doesn't give rules. He has a reason for his commandments. He has a reason for the things that he says. He has a reason for telling you to obey him. And ultimately, it's not because he's mean. It's not because he's cruel. Because he can't be. He's God is love. He's perfect, but he's also just. It's because... He recognizes that in your obeying him, it's going to do something in your life. And I would show you that from this passage we're going to look at here in a moment, it's going to change you. Obeying God changes you. Doing what he says changes you. For the better. What are you talking about, George? Well, let's look at the passage together. We're going to look at verse 22 through 25. So we're going to look at these four verses together and see what Peter says here, and I'm going to try to help you to understand it. Okay? So look with me, verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. All flesh is as, of, as grass, and all the glory of man is as the flower of the field. The grass withers, and the flower falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. All right, now here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this passage and I'm going to kind of divide it into two sections. Okay, so I want you to understand. First of all, we're going to look at the results of obeying. One verse, verse 22, tells you why you and I need to obey because it does something in your life. And when you look at what it does, you're going to say, wow, didn't realize that. Well, you're going to see it, verse 22. And then what we're going to see is, is the basis for the change. How does obeying God change me? We're going to see that in verses 23 through 25. So let's talk, first of all, about the results of obeying. Why should I obey God? Why should I obey him? And again, I'm saying obey God. I'm not talking about obeying man. I'm not talking about obeying a religious system. I'm not talking about obeying rules that a church may come up with or a religious group may come up with. I'm talking about obeying God. Notice what he says, verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. All right, so here's what he's saying. Three things I want you to see. Number one, the Holy Spirit empowers you to obey. first thing you've got to understand. All right, I think everybody can relate to me here, right? You ever get up in the morning and you make a decision when you get up in the morning, okay, today is going to be different. I am not going to do fill in the blank. You ever do that? Today is going to be different. I'm going to obey you, Lord. I'm going to do what you want me to do. I know you've been working in my heart. You've been telling me, George, you need to stop doing this. And today's going to be different. you are not even got your feet on the floor yet. You're still laying in the bed. You say, today's going to be different. I'm not going to do blank. Fifteen hours later, when you go into bed, and you're laying your head down on your pillow, what do you say? I did blank. Forgive me. Isn't that what we do? Okay, now listen. I'm not surprised. What do you mean you're not surprised? I'm going to tell you right now, what God tells you to do, you can't do it. Did you hear what I said? If you want to write that down, write it down. What God tells you to do, you can't do in and of your own strength. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. You might be able to do it one time, but the next day, wrong set of different circumstances happen. You're going to find yourself in the same situation again that you were in before, and you're going to do what you told yourself you weren't going to do, what you knew God told you not to do. You're going to do it. Why? Because you're trying to do it in your own strength, and I'm going to tell you right now, you're not strong enough. You're not strong enough. You are not strong enough to do it. That's why you need help. And the help that you get in obeying him comes from the one who told you to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? The help that you get in obeying him comes from the one who told you To do it. And that's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one that empowers you. Look, in fact, look at me at verse 22. Look at what he says. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit. So what do you do in the morning now? You get up in the morning and you say, Lord, I'm not going to do it, but I need your help not to. I need your Spirit to guide me. And you pray that way throughout the day. Lord, you know this is a weakness in my life. Will you help me? Will you give me strength? Will you change the circumstances? The Holy Spirit empowers you to obey. Now here's the second thing I want you to see about the results of obeying. Here it is. Obedience purifies your life. Now, that's interesting. He says in verse 22, look at what he says, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Now, that word purity is reflective of something that he had just told us earlier in verse 15, where he says, be holy, for I am holy. Okay, let's stop for a moment. I want you to think back to the Old Testament with me. In the Old Testament, the Jews, with the law, whenever they went to the temple, they were unclean, so therefore they had to what? Clean themselves or purify themselves. So what did they do? They went through rituals. Sometimes they took baths. Basically, they were baptized. It's the same concept there. They would have ritual pools where they would dunk themselves in water, all of it for the purpose of what? Purifying themselves so that they could go into the temple and what? Worship God. Draw near to God. Be with God. Why? Because before they were what? Not holy. Now they are holy because they've been purified. What he's saying here is is that our obedience, our obedience purifies our life. Now, you say, okay, George, that's one verse. Are you sure about that? Well, yeah. Psalm 119. Here's what David says in probably the longest psalm in your Bible. Verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his way? Now the word cleanse there is the same concept of purifying. How can a young man cleanse his way? Look at what it says. By taking heed according to your word. What does that mean? Well, can I tell you what it means? How can you clean up your life? Obey him. That's what he's saying. Obey him. I didn't say obey what the preacher said. I said obey what God says to you. And let me just say something to you, folks. Every single one of you, God's going to say something different to you because he knows what's going on in your life and what needs to be an area of obedience and what doesn't need to be an area of obedience. You understand? I don't know what's going on in your lives. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what defeats you. I don't know what's hindering your relationship with God. You do, though. How do you know? Because the Holy Spirit's talking to you about it. The Holy Spirit's convicting you about it. The holy Spirit's saying to you, you need to give this up. You need to do something about this. So when you start doing what he tells you to do, you purify your life. You become holy. That's the result. That's why you need to... It's not an option, folks, because he told you earlier, remember we talked about this last week, it's not an option. Be holy because I'm holy. You need to pursue holiness. Well, if I'm going to do that, where do I start? By doing what God tells you to do. Now, it doesn't end there. There's one more thing that happens as a result. And you can now, listen, I won't get ahead of myself. Let's look at what it says. Here's the third point. The change in your life results in you loving others. Look what it says. I think this is amazing. Verse 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, through the Spirit, in... Sincere love of the brethren. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Okay, you want to know why you need to obey God? Number one, he purifies you. It makes you holy as he's holy. Number two, he wants to change you in your obedience so that you would end up being a loving person. A loving person. So that you love others. In fact, here, listen. This is what Jesus said. This is about following him. John chapter 13, verse 35. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have what? Love for one another. You want to know how people can tell if you are a believer in Jesus Christ? It's not because you say you go to Kerwinsville Christian Church. That's that... Who cares that you go to Kerwinsville Christian Church? That doesn't mean anything. You want to know how people can know that you are a believer in Jesus Christ? Because you love people. Why? Because the love of God flows out of you. Now how does the love of God flow out of you? He's telling you right here in this verse. Because your life is changed because you are obedient to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because your life is changed and you are obedient to him. Because he works a work in your heart, you then begin to love other people. Isn't it interesting? You know, I've been a believer now over 33 years. And I can remember in the time when I wasn't a pastor and going to church and Meeting people who quote knew Jesus for a long time, but I'm going to be honest with you—you just kind of got to wonder. They were some of the meanest, miserable people you'd ever met in your life. And you know what? I've realized as I've gotten older, I almost wonder: Did they ever really know Jesus? Why? Because if you know Jesus and you're obedient to Jesus, what's going to happen in your life? You're going to start loving people. You're going to start being more understanding. More concern for them. How does that happen? God changes your heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't sit there from a position of pride. Because first of all, who's got pride? Nobody in here. What do you mean? Nobody in here has a leg to stand on when it comes to being who we need to be before Jesus. Isn't that right? Nobody does. Not at all. We are all lacking, are we not? We're all works in progress, right? And as you mature in Christ, and he changes you, and as you be, live that life of obedience that he wants you to live, you realize that, because you realize, hey, stop first of all, trying to obey Christ, that should be the first wake-up call that you're not perfect, because that's almost downright, what, difficult, right? Right? And as the Spirit is enabling you to do that, he changes you and you begin to what? Show love, sincere love, towards what? Everyone else. That's why Jesus says what he says. They'll know that you're my disciples by your what? Love for each other? See, this is why we need to obey. It's not an option because God has provided the means to change your life. Now the question is, is do you want to change? I hope you do. I hope you and I want to change. I hope you and I look at our life. We look at the things that we struggle with. We look at the things that defeat us. And I hope you're there and you're saying, I want something different. Well, the first step is what? Like David said, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed thereto the word of God. It's because we obey. Now, how do we obey? What is the basis for that change? Well, that's where he spends verse 23 through 25 talking about the Word of God. What is the Word of God? Well, your Bible. That is the Word of God. And, you know, every one of you here, we don't live in a culture, there are cultures like this, where they don't allow you to have a Bible. You live in a culture where you're allowed to have a Bible. In fact, if you need a Bible here today, we'll give you a Bible. And most people have whatever, but the problem is that most people don't read it. They don't read it. And if they don't read it, they don't know what God tells them to do so that their lives can change, right? But I want you to notice now look what it says here, verse 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, its flower falls away, and the word of the Lord endures forever. Here's three things I want you to see about the basis for the changed life. Okay. Number one, first of all, it's talking about what the message of the word of God Brings to you, and that's the issue of salvation. So here's what it says Salvation has given you a new life that is eternal. So, the reason why you're able to obey, the reason why you can say no to the things that defeat you, the reason why you're able to do what God has told you to do is that when you came to Christ, you changed not into a corruptible being. Now, what's a corruptible being? Well, a corruptible being is a being that's just going to die and go to hell. You were changed into the incorruptible. Yes, you may die, you're going to cast off this body, but you're going to live on with who? Christ forever. You are a new person. Some of you need to realize that. It's not the same old you. Now, you may have people in your life that want to remind you of of what you used to be like, but you're not like that anymore. You're somebody new. And you're eternal. The moment you became a believer, things changed. It's a new you now. Salvation has given you a new life that is eternal. So then notice now the second thing. The word of God produces the changed life. Remember now, Psalm 119, David, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? What? By taking heed thereto the word of God. I clean up my life because I'm obeying who? God. In his word. A little bit first two verses later, thy word have I hidden my heart, David says, that I might not sin against you. you got to change your mind by getting into God's Word because that's how you renew your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Be not conformed to the image of this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind. And when your mind is renewed by God's Word, you'll be able to prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. Now, How many of you want to know what the will of God is for your life? You want to know what the will of God is for your life? Yeah, we do, right? How do you figure that out? Through his word, changing your mind. Through his word? See, the word of God produces the changed life. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Don't answer me, just answer it to yourself. How much time did you spend reading God's word this week? Now don't answer that. This is one of those times where you can be quiet, okay? But tell yourself, how much time did you spend reading his word this week? Don't include the time it was up on the screen today. Don't include that. I right, know, what does that say? Whatever your answer is, what does that say? What are you expecting? What are you expecting God to do in your life? If you're not reading it, and he's not communicating to you through it, what are you expecting? See, the word of God produces the changed life. Seriously. If I'm not reading it, I can't expect it to change anything in my life. And I can almost guarantee you... I can almost tell you whether or not you've had some time with Jesus today by how you treat other people. Isn't that what the what we said earlier? That if you're obeying him, it's going to be reflected in your what? Relationships with other people. So we can tell whether or not you've been reading. How are you doing? Oh, I can tell you haven't been reading today. Now don't say that to them. I'm just telling you that, okay? Right? Right? The word of God produces the changed life. Now here's the final point I want you to see. This is why the word of God is important. He makes a statement here. He gives it actually, he's he's quoting here from Isaiah. All flesh is as grass and the glory of man is as the flower of the grass and the grass withers and The flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now here's the next point I want you to see. Why it's so important to allow God's word to change your life and you need to get in it. Here's what he says. Remember that everything in life will pass away except God's word. Okay. Remember I asked you, how much time did you spend reading God's word today? You had that number in your mind? How much time? Okay. All right. Well, let me ask you this. if you look at last week where was the majority of your time spent where was it was at it work okay yeah i understand well, i had to i understand but some people work because they want to or maybe it was spent in relationships, or maybe it was spent in other things, and, and your focus, rather than it would, is God speaking to you, is focused on something else. Now, here's what Peter is saying. He's, by quoting Isaiah, he's saying, hold on loosely. Hold on loosely, because the stuff we get focused on, we gotta remember that everything in this life is gonna pass away, except one thing. One thing is going to be there forever, and that's what? God's Word. And that's what produces the change in your life. Is it not? So shouldn't we give it a
0: little bit of time? Shouldn't we? Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street,